You're locked on to another episode of Soundbites. Last week we were talking about Sears and Profits, and we're back with a round two. Hello, Peter. Hello, Russell. How are you? Oh, it's been like not even five minutes <laughs> since you last in here. Oh, no, but seriously, we are talking about, we are continuing. We're we, going to do a part two. We've talked about Mothership and last, and now and we are. And Nostradamus. And the Oracle of and Delphi. The Oracle of Delphi. Now we are going into uh, Daniel Douglas Home. Yeah, so it's actually pronounced Hume, believe it or not. I, I, every it's time I looked at home. it, I know, I know. Isn't it bizarre how some people, you, know, it's like, listen, these are the letters you got. You got to have to go with these yeah. letters, and then they go, no, the O is the U, but you pronounce it U, and well, and that's why so many people have trouble learning English. Yes, like me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so we're doing a part two in our great um, prophets, prophets and seers of history. Um, I thought that this would be an interesting topic. Um, I quite, uh, I just remember, you know, as a kid being fascinated by these people who, you know, could look into a crystal ball and tell the future and um, all those sorts of things. Uh, and so I thought, um, you know, when when we come up with lists of ideas for shows that we're going to do, I thought we'll definitely have to do one on, yeah. on the great um, seers and prophets. Fun fact, if you ever go to someone's house who does have a crystal ball, You'll notice that it always has a cloth draped over it. And why does it have a cloth <laughs> draped over it? Because to me, that just sounds silly. No, it has a really, really good reason. And a lot of people might be thinking, is it because, you know, they don't want to see the, the visions future. that are coming through at any time? And but actually, what it is, especially if it's a clear ball, a clear crystal ball, um, you generally have to put a cloth over it because if the sun hits it, it can act like a massive magnifying glass and it can t- cause fires to start in your house. Lovely. Yes. <laughs> so, so all you crystal ball people who Yeah, have if you've got one and you've... Keep it covered. And you spontaneously combust and don't know why. <laughs> well, they, if, yeah. they can, if they combust, then they've got problems. Well, if you come home and, you know... Your house is gone. Your house is gone and you think... Forgot to cover the crystal ball. Yep. Okay. Don't put that on your insurance claim. You won't get paid. Is that? Uh, That's advice. Oh, okay. Free advice. Did you? People that, listen to this show for free tips like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you got. I don't know where you got that one from. Um. Did you have a crystal ball and did your house burn down? No, no, I don't have a crystal ball. Did you? Is this a rumor that you heard or is this fact? No, I actually did when I was researching the show. Uh, it said, "Do not put crystal yeah, balls in, on in, your in, insurance." No, no, it said, "Cover your crystal ball because if the light hits it, it can act like a massive magnifying glass." I don't know how, why the insurance company wouldn't pay out though. Okay, we're well, offside. Oh, we are getting way off topic here. Let's get back on topic. <laughs> we could have yeah, a I came in here and I had a great mood. <laughs> 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 anyway, that's okay. Daniel Douglas. Someone's going to end it. Douglas. It's actually Douglas. It's not Douglas. 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 Yeah, I know. Oh this guy's goodness. name is like a mess. He's got Douglas Hume, um, where letters shouldn't be. Uh, but anyway. he's got Daniel. Yeah, he got that right. So, um, but uh, yeah, so Hume uh, was born in 1833, and he passed away in 1886. So he, he sadly, he didn't. Uh, he only made it to 53. Um, but he was actually a uh, more of a physical medium. Um, so he he he's sort of one of, one of his big acts, I guess, was is the fact that he could claim that he could levitate. Um, but anyway, we'll get, we'll get onto that. Uh, How do you levitate? Well, we'll get onto that. We're going to get onto that later. Um, so <laughs> so uh, uh, basically, um, now he he wrote uh, a book, you know titled My Life, so not very inspiring, um, but that was in 1863. And he was, his, uh, he was the son uh, of um, Alexander, the 10th Earl of Home, or Hume, I should say, which is where the pronunciation comes from. Uh, but his mother was descended from the Highland family from Scotland and, and is said that he inherited his um, second sight abilities through her. So um, From birth? Well, I guess so. <laughs> isn't but that isn't that how you inherit? But no, oh, no. I, I'm just I'm just wondering if if only her sight came to him once she passed away. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Be interesting to find out. Yeah, but he was born in Scotland. If he's available um, for an interview, please contact us. Yeah, now. yeah, contact <laughs> us. Um, you know, we'll put some stuff on the table and just rearrange yeah. it. So and and send us a message. Give us a week, you would. <gasps> we should do it one day. We're 
I was reading up on Ouija boards. Yes. You know the mystery behind? <laughs> people move it with their fingers. No, the mystery behind it is why do people believe it? Um, it was either Hasbro or uh, Parker Brothers. Um, they heard about this board and so they just mass produced it. And people started playing with it and got all spooked out and freaked out about it, which then gave it even more notoriety. Uh, and and that's oh. where it all came from. Okay, so <laughs> we might do But a, I digress. We, we will do a topic on that one day. Uh, well, yeah, 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 we will. Yeah. Yeah. Be Paraphernalia of the spiritual world. Yeah. Of the supernatural. Yeah, because you've got those dolls that you poke and apparently they... Oh, voodoo dolls. Voodoo dolls, yeah. yeah. Okay, back on, t- on okay, topic. Okay, so, so, um, so, but not only could he levitate, he could speak with the dead uh, and he could even produce... Rapping or knocks in the house at will. Oh, like, yeah, but without the physical part of it, just the knock, knock, knock bit. Yeah, the I knock, didn't do anything then. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, we've improved magic. our. We've improved the sound effect yeah, budget. Yeah. yeah, we have improved the <laughs> sound effect, a non-existent sound effect budget. So anyway, so he could do all this stuff, um, and his biographer, so Peter Lamont, off offers that he was one of the most famous men of the era. Pretty good biographer. Yep. Um, and in fact, Harry Houdini described him as one of the most conspicuous and lauded of his type and generation, and then said he was the forerunner of the mediums whose forte is fleecing by con- presuming on the credulity of the public. Wow. So I don't think Houdini was actually a fan. I don't think so either, because Houdini was one of our greatest magicians. Magicians. It was an escape artist. Yes. He also drowned and died. Did he? I thought I so. I don't think that's how he died. I'm sure that's how he died. All right. You ask the... I'm Googling it. You ask the internet machine and I'll keep boring everyone with this story. So, Hume conducted hundreds of seances and that actually is what made him very, very popular. So, he held his first seance in March 1851, um, uh, which was re- then reported by the Hartsford newspaper and... Uh, and, and in that report, they said that, you know, the table moved without anybody touching it. And even when the um, journalist who was covering it uh, said, you know, he tried to grab the table and physically tried to stop it from moving, but he couldn't. It was just such a powerful uh, movement. Um, so, of course, as soon as that started getting around, um, people started demanding, especially the, the high society and the wealthy uh, and the well-to-do, um, all wanted uh, dear old Hume to come and do a seance at their place. So he, he um, you know, and obviously adding to his repertoire, he then started uh, travelling around and healing the sick and communicating with the dead. Uh, all those good things that a, a good um, prophet or seer would do, you know, to add, value add to yeah. their sales. You know, would you like a reading with that? Um, you know, get two communications with the dead for the price of one, all that sort of Excellent well, marketing. Well, talking about Houdini for a second, oh, going back there, yeah. uh, apparently he had a appendicitis rapture, basically. An appendix has wrapped. Yeah, so appendix burst. Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't think he drowned. I thought there was a, a magician that drowned. Oh, I'm sure there is. In the Hudson, off the bridge, in a safe. Or maybe it's uh, maybe I've been watching too much movies. Yeah. Because yeah. from now you see me, too. So I thought they were referencing real life, but maybe they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> there, there are places where you should get your facts from. <laughs> Old timey movies aren't one of them. I'll, I'll, I'll keep googling while you keep talking just to dig myself out of the hole. Yeah, yeah, you keep digging. Digging is the only way you can get out of a hole. Um, so anyway, so Hume never directly asked for money, believe it or not. Um, although he never turned down a gift <laughs> or a donation uh, or free lodgings or uh, anything else from wealthy admirers. So um, because he felt he was on a mission to demonstrate immortality, that people lived beyond death. Okay, so I'm lo- okay. So uh, go- coming back to my Houdini <laughs> for a second. <laughs> you come Harry, to redeem yourself. Harry Houdini apparently, according to Google. Died in a safe. Isn't it the same guy? Houdini and Houdini? Yeah, but did he have an, a burst appendix in the safe? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't I think know. This is really, really confusing. I, I think Can someone please check, fact check me and, and email What does in? Wikipedia say? I'm trying to find it. Um, okay, I'll find it. What websites do you go to? Google. Google knows all. Google doesn't know everything. It just points to things. 
No, it's the God. My friend Jeff yes. said we need to do an episode um, on some of the things that was covered by The Social Dilemma. I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix. Is no, it on I'll, Netflix? Have to wa- I'll have to watch it. All right. And I, and I think that's a good idea. And we're going to do that. Yeah. So shout out to Jeff. Um, so g- getting back to dear old Hume. Um, so where did I get up to? So he wasn't, he, he, he didn't ask for money, but he certainly uh, was n- never said no to a, f- a freebie or a handout or a uh, donation. So not content with just providing seances. I know I said uh, that uh, we went into that. Uh, but he did return to England and he continued to travel the continent attending the needs of the rich, powerful and famous. Awesome. So he didn't discriminate. As long as you had money, he was there. Well, um, you had to be rich, famous or have money. Yeah, he, so. didn't care, he didn't care how much it was as long as it was a lot. <laughs> so, so he considered a, he was considered a guest of high society in most places and was on virtually everyone's invitations list. Oh, lucky man. Lucky I know. Man. That's pretty impressive, though. I wish I was on everyone's invitation list. But, but things started going sour for dear old Hume because eventually the sceptics and the inquirers and the people who, you know, weren't so easily impressed by his smoke and mirrors... Um, conjuring tricks, started asking a bit more questions. And one of the most famous ones, uh, one of the most famous critics that he had was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle of Sherlock Holmes fame, the author of the books. Uh, And he stated that um, Hume was unusual in that he had four different types of mediumship because usually any any medium would say that they specialise in one. So whether that's um, uh, the ability to let spirits audibly speak uh, or let spirits speak through somebody else, or a clairvoyance of some type so they can see things that are out of view, uh, or a physical medium, so someone who can move objects at a distance, uh, you know, or be able to levitate. Yeah. But, but Hume was able to do all four of those. So he was pretty impressive in his claims. But it didn't stop there. Uh, other famous scientists also spoke out against him. Uh, about his claims and his abilities, they all attended his seances, and and they were a bit sort of meh yeah. about the whole thing. They were sort of going, "Hey, this guy is you know, like, can you not see the trickery yeah. behind the the curtain here?" So they sort of said, "Well, hold on, he's using sleight of hand." Uh, others reported seeing him use his foot to shake the table, or he had a false arm where his real arm was. And he used his real arm. So he had the false arm on the table, yep. um, you know, pretending to scratch it and <laughs> all sorts of fun and laughter. Um, and really his real arm was doing the spirit hand thing and like tapping people. And, yes, you know, well, unless they're on the other side of the desk. Well, you know, or, you know, he would peer above him or he would hold something up with a stick, I don't know, pull a rope. Well, he's a very famous magician if that's the case. If he claimed to be a magician, that would be fantastic. Why would that be fantastic? Because then it is a trick and everyone knows. The The whole thing about magic is that you know it's a but trick. People wouldn't pay him that much money for a trick. All right. So the fact that he claimed to be a fortune teller and a seer. I know. It's bad. He was a charlatan. Well. Yes, I used a very strong, powerful We might have to do charlatan. a charlatan episode. On charlatan. Great yeah. charlatans. Yeah. Flim man. Men's. Men, the, the one who people. was selling the cough syrup. Snake or sales? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we are going to keep going. Well, let's take a break. <laughs> yeah, let's take so a break. So that our listeners on the uh, radio can just listen to some good tunes. Yeah, listen to some uh, good tunes. We won't give you a whom. Might give you a home. So we'll be back on the other side of this. Stick around. Stay tuned. And you're back on Soundbites for this week. We are just continuing with the prophets and sh- and shears. I wasn't really going to say charlatans then. <laughs> um, well, some of them were. Well, actually, they all were. Well, surely Not one mother of, shipped and leave her alone. Surely one of them oh. wasn't, though. I'm sure there has to be a prophet that actually got things right. We're actually going to finish up about the person who's most famous for looking into all of these people who claim to be... Don't tell me that person was a prophet too. No. Okay. But he was an openly out and proud gay man. Well, stick around for that one. Yeah. Okay, we are going to uh, move on to... No, we're going to stick with Hume. 
We're going to see the reunion. <laughs> really? I haven't finished <laughs> deconstructing his BS. That's like 15 minutes of the show. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, keep going. All right. This is the only time I get to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so because, anyway. that's because the wheel of fortune told <laughs> Are you doing your tarot cards again? <laughs> you better not be. I can't believe you're, you're right here and you're not even listening. I am You should be hanging on to every word. <laughs> There's too many words. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not everyone. Maybe every third one. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> getting back to Hume and his seances and his levitations oh. and his moving tables and stuff. Um, even somebody said, like, they sort of turned around and said to everyone, uh, does anyone notice that he only ever does his levitation in really dimly lit room, you know, when he's in the other side of the room and no one's close to him? And, and Because so there's a pole, people. Yeah, well, actually, there was a series of ropes and pulleys. Um, and who was the pulley? And in fact, that trick, that levitation trick, has now been registered with the American Magicians Association or something like Seriously? that. Seriously? So yeah, he man. was a magician? Huh? What? He was a magician. And I would have had no problem if he claimed yeah, yeah. he was a famous magician. I know, but he didn't. He said he that didn't. he was a prophet. But the good thing was is that he never charged. <laughs> then how the heck did he make money? He took. He, he took generously from the donations. So he Why said, you, oh, you, don't, you don't have to. Well, no, I, when I was boring I everyone was to <laughs> death with my long, <laughs> no, no, never-ending. He performs to the rich and um, basically famous. And I'm going, okay, cool. So he must charge him a lot. And no, they no it's, it's he a donation. But yeah, he took donations and he never, golly, turned, golly goodness. he never turned down a gift. Well, how much was his gifts? Well, I don't know. I'm not his accountant. Well, we need to speak to his accountant. Right. Uh, okay, I'll so let you. you, well, I'll, you I'll, ring, I'll ring. I'll ring. ring our accountant to find yeah, out see his how, accountant. See, see what they say. <laughs> um, all right. So. So anyway, um, so much so that Hume decided to try and put these critics to rest. So he created, or he certainly agreed to do, what is now known daytime? as the Great Accordion Experiment. So oh. I want you to picture this in your mind and okay, i don't know why anyone thought this would be a good idea to prove somebody's abilities but what he would do is he would sit at a table and underneath that table would be placed an accordion inside a wire cage now hume had to keep one hand on top of the table and the other hand was in the wire cage but to add legitimacy to the experiment he would have two observers sitting on either side of him and both would put one foot on his two feet. So the one on the right would put a foot on his right foot and the one on the left would put a foot on the left foot. And the instruction was you must make the accordion make sound. But and his hands on the accordion in the first place. Oh, no, no. See, they managed to control the experience. I'm doing the quotes in air. Yeah. Um, here. You can't see it because this is exciting. This Podcast is radio. radio. Yeah. Um, so he, he, they said to control him from being able to physically play the keys, they turned the keys away from where his hand was. And okay. I'm just like, okay, all right. Are you going to reach further in to play the accordion? I think you're going to be shocked okay. to find out when they ran the experiment. He wasn't able to do it? No, the accordion played musical sounds. Of course it would. No. You, you make it sound as though this experiment was a fraud. Well, I kind of feel <laughs> it, it was because either A, the people were standing on on leather, on leather pedals and not actually his feet, so they were pressing it. Yeah. B, his hands weren't actually where they were. They were in <laughs> the... in his false hand again. <laughs> yep. I really... <laughs> a so how, how did he pull this off? So, well... Well, literally pull off a hand. So, surprisingly... None of the sceptics or the, the investigators thought this was a good experiment. No, of course not. So they offered, they said, well, first of all, you've only done the experiment once and you had control over all the elements of the experiment. They said, how about we do the experiment again, but we just change a few things. Like, we decide who are going to be your observers. Uh, we'll put the accordion on top of the table rather than underneath it. Um, and your hands have to be away from it. And, and so they gave him a list of things that they said, you know, this is how you need to modify this. And he just sort of put his finger up and waved it and said, no, not doing that. So he declined to redo the famous... Because they, they're taken away from his performance. He's a performer, let's be honest. <laughs> right. He is a former performer. Okay, so 
But surprisingly, even though there was so Did many he get people, paid after that, though? No, yeah, he was still the highlight of society because... I wonder how he died then. Well, of Did tuberculosis. He tuberculosis which he yeah, had suffered from, from most of his that's life. That's not a very good death. Like, yeah. I was expecting something dramatic. Well, the drama hasn't ended. Oh, let's because, go. Because, okay, he died at the age of 53 due to tuberculosis, which he suffered from most of his life. And don't tell me he rose from the dead. Even though he <laughs> you was... You are going to tell me that. Even though he was married twice, okay, not once, twice, it was revealed in 1869 in many of the entries of Lord Adair, which contained many erotic homosexual overtones between Lord Adair and Hume. They might have Lovely. been secret lovers. Well, good on them for to say the, that he came and strike yeah, you down. He, yeah. Um, well, good on him for, for being a lover of, of gays, or maybe. Well, I don't know if he, if, yeah. He loved each other. And that's sweet. That is sweet. Yeah. I'm sorry for the wives. He had two well, wives, they right? Got to, they got to enjoy all Maybe the donations. Maybe it was you get to marry. And yeah, we'll like, pretend. You pretend, we pretend, and yeah, voila. Yeah. But then again, if he was married twice, twice yeah. separate times, yeah. maybe not. Yeah, no, that, that has as what's, much, what's the other guy, as much uh, validity as who was the, Who was the other one? Lord Adair. Was he married? I don't know. We'll actually. have to find out. But he certainly kept diaries. Good on him. Good <laughs> on him. We like those diaries. Yeah. Who keeps a diary these days? I don't. I don't. Well, I, what I, would I write No, about? sorry. I do have a diary. It's called a calendar. Yeah, but... What a, would, not a dear diary. Yeah. Today, I went shopping. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> Today, Tuna was on special at Gold. <laughs> for 89 cents. What a bargain. <laughs> Um, Truly, this is the turning point of my life. <laughs> the wheel of fortune <laughs> is coming around. Oh, what does the tarot say? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, okay, let's just uh, let's just move <laughs> on from the tarot because the wheel of fortune is going to go away for a bit. Is it? Uh, I don't know. We're going to talk about Edgar Casey. Okay, <laughs> he was he, he was a special brand of. But what we should do is we should um, take a break right. and talking about the tarots. Well, we just did one. And Ooh. it's called The World. That's a good one. So, the last card and culmination. Is that how you pronounce it? C-U-L-M-I-N. Culmination of the tarot. Encourages you to collect your scattered thoughts and actions and put them towards something meaningful. The result will <laughs> astound you. Stop doing this show. <laughs> but <laughs> the process will take time. Uh, well, we are going to take some time. I don't like things that are drawn out. Well, just instant like the show sometimes. Instant gratification is what I need. <laughs> What's the card for that? I don't know. Grinder. <laughs> G-rated show. Uh, but people know what that is, surely. Um. Anyway, uh, we are going to leave the world and uh, we will be back on the other side of this. So stick around, stay tuned. This is Soundbites. <laughs> you're locked on to Soundbites. Don't sing. Sorry, you're locked on to Soundbites. <laughs> what are you saying? Let the car sing. The, the hermit will come after you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that you can't sing. I'm saying that you it shouldn't. Means, it means to give yourself proper time for self-reflection. <laughs> 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 Are you talking about the hermit? The hermit, yeah. The hermit's a good card. I like the hermit. Do you? Yeah, but because okay. I am a bit of a hermit. So you have lots of times of self-reflection, do you? Yeah. <laughs> it's usually all bad. <laughs> There's a lot of 12-step programs that I should be attending. 12-step is better than 13 steps. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. maybe I could get help from dear old Edgar Casey. Maybe Edgar Casey, but if I could speak Ed, Edgar Casey. Okay, maybe he would help you. He would. He would because Maybe he was give actually me a tongue. he was known as the sleeping uh, prophet. So, Ooh, where did he sleep? Well, on his couch. On his couch. Yeah, yeah. What it. type of couch was it? It was oh, a leather I couch. Know. I don't know. Well, Must he, have been very comfy. It, that was his process. Well, he slept on his couch and told prophets. Well, he certainly rested on his couch and started, you know. Free associating I, and, and letting out prophecies and actually he was sort of like doing mystic diagnosis. Okay. So, so dear old Edgar Casey. So he's probably uh, one of America's most well-known psychics and holistic healers. 
Um, so he was born in a farm in Hopkinsville in Kentucky in 1877. That's a long time ago. A long time ago. Uh, he was a poor student and he received no more than a grammar school education and eventually took up photography as a trade. Good on him. His psychic powers, however, were discovered accidentally in 1901. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so he was 24 and he caught a cold, mother of all colds, and he suddenly lost his voice. Oh my goodness, how sad. Real sad because after a year of numerous and unsuccessful medical treatments, he, he no became voice. resigned to a life of rasping whispers. <sighs> I love the sound effects we, we've invested into for this show. I know, Bruce. <laughs> <sighs> Tell you the prophet. Yeah, don't do that. Um, You've got to stumble. so close to being strangled. Uh, at this time, That's hypnotism <laughs> was enjoying a fad throughout the country. Yep. <laughs> so I'm just stuck on the strangling part. I'm a bit <laughs> choking here. <laughs> Your prophet might come through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah that's, that's a prophecy. <laughs> so a friend suggested that he try, uh, he tried hypnotism as a means of healing his condition. So, you know what? Dear old Casey, he was just willing to try anything. And so he thought it might cure his throat. So he, he you know, paid a local hypnotist um, to come over and... Uh, and hypnotise him. And hypnotise him. Sorry, and he did. I just had to stand up, but my back is killing me, so I'm just going to stand up and talk. Oh, okay, all right. It's like it's like you're about to do a, sh- no. a, a song. I'm, I'm about to Break sing. to a song. <laughs> oh. Don't sing. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so this this, this hypnotist came over yep. and put dear old Casey under hypno- hypnosis. Hypnotic trance. Yes. A you're deep, going deeper deep and trance. deeper and deeper. Deep. With every sound of my voice, you are deeper. You know, you can't be hypnotised, people. Come on. <laughs> not not on this show. Not I'm, on this show. I'm not educated enough. Yeah, no. Uh, this this show <laughs> makes you feel like you're falling asleep. Mind, mind you, I bet you I'll get some p- complaints saying, oh, I got hypnotised. Well, that's okay. That's great. Yeah. Any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> I didn't say that. We're going to edit that out, aren't we? We don't edit out anything. We haven't got time. Uh, so anyway, so he, so whilst he was this hypnotized, this is live radio, people. This is yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, while he was hypnotized, so he, while he was hypnotized, um, Casey. So okay. Casey's supposed to be under, like he's supposed to be traveling the astral plane or something. But he started talking and he started telling the oh. hypnotist, yeah, that. Uh, what to do, what to suggest, and saying that more blood needed to circulate around the affected area. And believe it or not, after the hypnotist told him to do the things that he had actually told Done. him to say, and he woke Casey up, his raspy, wispy voice was gone. He could speak normally again. Well, what a, what a crazy coincidence that the hypnotist just... But it wasn't the hypnotist. The hypnotist just did the hypnotizing and then repeated what Casey told him. It must have been a a ruse. I think that's the right word. It could have been. But how long long did he not have his voice? A year? A year. That's not very long not to have your voice. Yeah, but for the fact that it just disappeared like that. I know, but think of it this way. If it was a big elaborate plan on his behalf to... Well, we can only go by what they tell us. Like, we, we have no idea if very, it's very, true. Uh, well, you researched. It has to be true. Yeah, but you can only go by what... You can only read what people have written. You can't, you know... I mean, you can see if there are yeah. other people who collaborated it, but, it, but in this okay. particular scenario... So, let's say it wasn't a ruse for a second. Okay. It's all legit. And it's all legit. It's all legit. But then people are able to do things differently after yeah, or during hypnosis. Yeah, I know. It's just... I, We've got a hypnosis specialist that does a hypnosis show called Talking Hypnosis. We'll ask him next time. Yeah, yeah. So go and check out that podcast as well. Yeah. Um, it's a cheeky blog. Uh, okay, so, so he he gets his voice back. He gets his voice back. And so, of course, people want to know, how did you get your voice back? What the happened? The hypnotist. Yeah, and he said, he told him the story. He said, listen, guy came, waved the watch, fell asleep under hypnosis, started telling him what to tell me. I He then told me I did it. And now I've got my voice back. Well done. So people then started saying, well, listen, do you reckon that'll work for me? Can you go into hypnosis and say 
what I need to do to find out to fix this and whatever. And so he did. That's how he actually started oh. doing his his um. Sorry, my 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 uh, kind of meter just oh. went. Oh, now oh. I understand the 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 whole catch. And the well, look, he even went further than that. So it started off. So he people started showing up saying, "Oh, can you help me, please, dear old Casey?" But wouldn't they need to be hypnotized, not him? No, he hypnotized him, or he put it. That's what. That's yeah. where the sleeping part. But comes for example, in. if you came to me and said, "Oh, my shoulder's sore. Can you hypnotize yourself to to fix my shoulder?" No, but then he would say what people needed. So if you went to him and said, "Oh, Casey, my shoulder is sore. Can you?" tell me what I need to do, he would then go and lie on his little couch, meditate into a sort of hypnotic state. Okay, now I understand this whole storyline. So he wasn't just laying on his couch for the sake of laying on his couch, he was laying on his couch for meditation. Yeah. But really, he was just thinking of a really good story to tell. Wow. A lot of people believed in Casey's ability. I know they believed in him. But me telling you what to do does not fix your problem. (laughs) Trust me. Well, that's, uh, well, like he likes to. I'd say go he, and get some deep heat and put it he, on your shoulder. Apparently, apparently, people would report that he really didn't enjoy doing it because he felt, that due to his poor education and not really knowing much about medicine or uh, any any sort of healing abilities, um, that he shouldn't really be doing it. But he did. But he did, and he must yeah. make him pay for it. Well, and not only that, but he got so good at it. I don't know if. That's the right term. But he, yes, he actually didn't require people to start coming to his house. He did it over telephone. Well, no, they had mail back then. Um, so people would write to him with their name and address and what their ailment was. And and all he needed Sorry. to do, all he really needed, yeah. So he all he needed was their name, their address. Um, yeah, because he got to send us an envelope back. And where they would be at an appointed time of reading. Um, so then he would lie on the couch, uh, obviously with his necktie and shoelaces loosened for better circulation. Because you need that you when you need that circulation, people. Yeah, when you're when you're trancing away, you you don't want to be restricted. <laughs> and uh, he could answer any question put to him. So his wife Gertrude usually made the suggestions and asked the questions. And for a man who was a mediocre yeah. success. He did. He apparently had a lifelong secretary called Gladys Davis. Good on you, Gladys Davis. And Gladys took everything down in shorthand. Yeah. So, so while uh, Casey was sleeping and was mumbling and you know telling people and searching you for something, must um, get deep heat on your shoulder. Yeah, uh, he would say, "Oh, yes, we have the body." So he he'd establish that connection. And he would then go on for into a half-hour discussion wow. of the physical condition the person uh, was had who was ill. And did it actually work, though? Well... Surely there's, a, surely there's a one case where it didn't work. Well, this is where we cue the science writers and the sceptics. You okay. know, they always turn up... Oh, aren't they? You know, they're always... So how did he get caught? How did he get caught? I want to know how he got caught. So they pointed out uh, that the evidence of Casey's powers really came more from the sensationalised newspaper articles um, rather than anything else. Uh, and, of course, the affidavits and anecdotal es- uh, testimonials uh, uh, then from any sort of empirical evidence. So, obviously, anyone who felt that they had been cured by Casey um, would write you know, great things yep. about it and, and, of course, that would be elevated uh, and anyone who sort of said, oh, it didn't work, people would say, oh, you probably misunderstood what he told you. You probably didn't send him a letter I anyway. money. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, for example, uh, we have a dear old Martin Gardner, and, and he wrote that of all the verified claims, and we use verified in brackets, in quotes, uh, and descriptions from Casey's trances, um, a, a lot of those um, authors, such as uh, Carl Jung, Jung um said that it, it just, like, they read his, his the, the writings that he put together and they said, well, it's little bits of information gleaned from here and there um, in the occult literature and spiced with the occasional novelty. So they, they didn't really feel that he was actually providing people with... Good information. Yeah, or anything substantial. Well, on that substantial cliffhanger, we <laughs> are going to substantially take a break. All right, let's substantially break. we will be back to... Uh, do one more because we've got time for one more and then we will be wrapping up. So uh, my future tells me that I'll be on the other side of this break. Okay. 
You're locked on to Sound Bites for another week. We are part two of Prophets, and my prophet tells me we are nearly out of time. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I need to be a prophet to tell you that one. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to finish it with drum roll. Baba Vanga. Oh, it yeah. sounds like, sound like the Vanga Boys. The yeah, Vanga sort of. Boss is coming. <laughs> so this is probably our most recent um, oh, okay. famous prophetess. Uh, dear old Baba Vanga. So Baba is it's two words, Baba and Vanga. Of course it is. Baba being the Bulgarian word for grandmother, uh, and Vanga being her uh, first name, um, yes, or a shortened version of her first name. So uh, Vangelia uh, Pandiva Gustevro, uh, and I th- what sure a great I got, language I'm you are. Sure, I got well done. Every one of those wrong. Uh, no, I think you got them right. Yeah, so I got them all wrong. Um, so anyway, she uh, was born in 1911 and unfortunately passed away in 1996. So she lived to 85 Aww. years of age, but she um, she was famous, and in fact, you might even um, remember her. Remember her? She she was blind from a very young age, and so um, you know she she had to rely on her uh, um, imagination uh, rather than her vision. Uh, to tell what her a things. great imagination she had. Well, uh, it was said that, you know, when she was a young girl, so she, she actually grew up and she was actually a very unhappy young lady, a young child. Um, and uh, so she, she moved from the family home, or the family moved, uh, and they went to um, a, a place uh, called Khan, K-H-A-N, um, but one day she was there and this horrible storm um, came up and apparently they said that actually it was like a, a, a cyclone or a, a tornado. And she was carried away and she was actually taken two kilometres away from where um, that it had picked her up. Um, That's reminded me of the Dorothy story. A little bit. A little bit of the, you know, Dorothy and Toto. Um, but when they found her, her eyes were caked in this dust uh, and even though they uh, washed it all away she, she said it was just too painful to try and open her eyes and she even underwent um, a few uh, surgeries to try and restore her sight but unfortunately uh, she uh, never regained her sight and, and she'd been um, uh, completely blind from the age of 12. So she actually stayed in a home for blind people uh, until the age of 18. But she actually had to return home after that, after the death of her stepmother, to help look after her brothers and sisters. Um, But she would often say that, uh, you know, due to her blindness, she would often start to dream and hear voices and have visions and talk to the dead. Uh, And believe it or not, she even felt she could talk to plants, she could predict events, uh, and, and that most of them came true with extreme accuracy. And in fact, Bulgarian um, psychiatrist, um, Professor Jordi Lozanov and uh, Nikola Shipkovsky, I'm sure I pronounced those wrong too, um, they actually began researching, extensively researching Baba Vanga's fortune-telling abilities in, um, in the late 50s. And they stated that she had an accuracy of between 80 to 85 percent um and and so there were of course a couple of documentary movies were created uh as well as um you know lots of books and magazine articles so she be, she became very very famous and a lot of people actually sought her out um including people like um uh, boris yeltsin um and and quite a few sergey mikhailov uh mikhailov yeah so um and and she often and what, what she used to describe. So she used to say when people would come to her, um, when she could feel them, she said it was like watching a movie of that person's life from birth to death, but in fast forward. And she could yeah. watch it and see it all play out, uh, and 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 tell them you know what was going to happen and what had happened and what was going to happen. Yep. So some of her greatest predictions. So she predicted the beginning of the Second World War. Well um, done for her. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I'd say that with all due respect because uh, she knew that World War One happened, so she knew that World War Two was, was going to happen. happen too. So, Did um, she guess World War Three? Strangely enough, you say that. And? And I'm going to get to it. Okay. But not just yet. My fortunes tell me that we'll get to that in the future. She predicted the riots in Lebanon in 68, the war in Nicaragua in 79, the election of India Gandhi, and then her death by assassination. Um, so, hang on, she predicted her own death? No, the Indira Gandhi's death. Oh, okay. So her election as Prime Minister and then her, her death by assassination. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, she... Um, but that wasn't too hard to predict, really. 
Of Indira Gandhi. Yeah, or the death. Surely. Yeah, but she said she was going to be assassinated yeah, rather than just dying. Mm. Anyway. Okay. Well, you know. I, I just wonder if she, if she had an inside plan to assassinate. Oh, you reckon it was an inside job? Well, when did, did she publish these these theories no, beforehand? No, no, or? Other people did. Oh. Other, because she couldn't write. She was rather illiterate. So, um, so we don't actually know that she had said any of this. Yeah, well, people did write some of them down. Okay. Um, but what we've discovered, well... What we discovered let, is let's, not let's, everything let's, is correct. Let's bring some critical thinking into it. Yeah, that. let's do um, that. Because this is what happens. Put our tinfoil hats on. Yeah, yeah. When we start sort of scaring away the conspiracy theorists uh, or the, the blind no. believers. Yep. Um, the prediction success rate of between 80 and 85%, it was, it turns out, a little ambitious. And the reason why they thought it was so great was because they tested it back when she was young, and so they were only testing on a very, very small sample of the predictions that she'd made. But as the years went on and her predictions, um, you know, she had made so many of them, uh, that prediction rate started to drop off rather drastically. For example, she said that World War Three would happen in 2010. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... That, that uh, wasn't a cough of a bullcrap. <laughs> it was just a cough. It was it's very so well-timed, though. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, she said that in 2011, because the World War in 2010... She wasn't that far off, though. 9-11 happened in 2011, correct? 2001. 2001. She was only nine years off. That wasn't a World War. Well, close enough. A lot of... Well, uh, apart from the complete absence of a World War. No, no, from the point of view, as a lot of countries jumped into that. And to me, a world war is when a lot of countries go and attack one country. I, I happened to notice there was a huge absence of the phrase World War Three during that time well, in 2000, and she was nine years too early for it. I know. I and just, it wasn't a world war. Yeah, what classifies a world war then? <sighs> we'll have to do Anyway, that. so... We'll go back to school. Her next prediction yep. was that due to the heavy use of nuclear I'm being weapons. Serious. What do you classify as a world oh, war? Russell. <laughs> so, usually a world war is classified by the amount of participants and uh, how much of the area or land mass of the planet is uh, taken into by war. And some oh, people okay. actually say by that uh, by the that classification, World War One because it didn't actually involve most of the Pacific theatre, so none of the... Um, it didn't really involve the Americas. It didn't really involve the Africas. Uh, we only got involved because we were tied to it. Um, to the US. To the U United Kingdom. Oh. Um, so they are sort of saying, well, you know, it wasn't, it, really really, it wasn't really a world war. But because it involved the majority of Europe, um, they said, well, you know, Europe is pretty important, so we're going to include it. We're going to call it number one. It should be the European War number but one. But they never called it World War One. It was called the Great War. Okay. And it was only when World War Two happened that they went, oh, look, this is the second time we've done this. Okay, well, there you go. Now we know what it classifies as a World War. Now we can move on. Yeah, so the Second World War included both the Pacific and the Atlantic theatres, which is, means both sides of the um, major continents and, of course, most of the southern continents, because it did include Africa. It did include... Um, I mean, there were parts of Africa that were involved in the First World War, but not as much as in the Second. Okay. Uh, she also said because of the Third World War in 2010 and the mass use of nuclear weapons, and then when they ran out, we would turn to chemical weapons, she said that most people, especially in uh, the Northern Hemisphere, uh, would not survive. Um, and those who did, the Muslims would rise up and, and come after them. So she said that they would start the chemical war. And was she correct or not? No. Well, that was 2011. None of that happened. Okay. So chemical <laughs> war 2001? We didn't have a chemical war well, in 2001. Uh, George W. Bush Jr. said Junior. that we were going over to Afghanistan or Iraq, whatever it was, to, Iraq. Get, to get the... Yes, he he didn't say oil at the time. He said oil chemical of mass destruction. Exactly. So And there were none. Because it was made up, because he wanted the yeah, oil. He wanted the oil. Yeah, everyone knows that. Why um, can't he go into jail because of that? Anyway, this is another topic. We'll get into that we'll another get time. Into that. We 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 won't. Um <laughs> I so want to get a historian. And she said that by two thousand and sixteen, Europe would be deserted. Well, Britain did try to leave. In two thousand and eighteen. And Brexit isn't deserting, like that. That's a bit. Like, she's only a few years off. She's not. She's completely wrong. 
but she's not. Okay. You're making it sound as though she's in the ballpark. She's like. I, I reckon you she's can kind of give that. She's you, watching another show. I reckon show. you could give her that. I wouldn't give her that at all. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, like I promised at the beginning of the show, yes. we're going to end with a famous debunker and investigator, James Ooh, Randi. James I really wanted Randy. to. Because he's, he's a he bit Randi. Don't. Don't go there. G-rated show. <laughs> No, James Randi, he was actually, he was actually, he was a magician. Okay. And he was an, uh, an escape artist and he never pretended to be anything other than those things. Good on him for being honest. But what he really had a personal aggravation for were people who claimed to be um, fortune psychics, fortune tellers, healers, yeah. this sort of stuff. Um, he didn't believe in the Bible, clearly. No, he was an atheist. <laughs> I was only taking a stab guess on that and one. Actually, and actually, and actually. No wonder why you love him, oh, you atheist love him. <gasps> don't, 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 don't say things like that. <laughs> well, you, you can because it's true. Um, <laughs> so, so but he did, he did once describe religion. I'm going to get into so much trouble. I don't care. He did describe religion that it was the biggest scam of them all. That's what he said, James Randi. You can't go after him because unfortunately he's passed over. And you can't come after me because I didn't say it. No, and you can't come after me because I'm just reciting somebody else's statement. Yeah. It's all fact, and and it's true. <laughs> so, he started his career, as I said, as a magician and escape artist, uh, and uh, this it was that training and grounding that allowed him to be able to see the tricks uh, used by charlatans to claim that they had powers that they didn't actually possess. Oh. Um, and he said that uh, people who are stealing money from the public, cheating them and misinforming them, uh, are the are the kind of thing that uh, he's been fighting for, uh, fighting against all his life. So he used to perform under the uh, stage name of the Amazing Randy. So which oh, is quite well, good. Good on him, Randy, yeah. being Randy and I being an I amazing really, Randy. I really like James Randy. How many um, times can I say Randy today? I really wish you wouldn't. Uh, see if you. Why could are you getting Randy? No. <laughs> that's, that, that's the like <laughs> the, the opposite. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, I'm uh, getting violent-y. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the prophets are coming through. Uh, <laughs> okay. So anyway, from the age of 15, he yep. started calling out these charlatans, people who were, who were fleecing the, the innocent and the desperate and the, you know, who, who just wanted a, a, another option apart from, um, you know, reality. Uh, and so he, he would call them out. And over the many decades that he... Um, did these investigations, and he always took a scientific approach. He exposed so many faith healers and mediums and dowsers, uh, the occult, the supernaturalist, the list goes on, astrologers, homeopaths, clairvoyants. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, an exhaustive list, but he, ha he had a, an ongoing fight. I don't know if you ever heard of Yuri Geller. He was a famous um, Israeli um, uh, spoon yeah. and key bender. He would do these tricks. Um, but, of course, uh, one night he sort of caught him out uh, and he was performing on Carlson. I don't know if you remember the show, the Carlson show back in yes, the 70s. Yes, I do. Um, and, uh, and, of course, Carlson said, look, you don't have to do your trick. We're just going to interview you. Uh, but what um, uh, Randy did was he brought in actual proper... Magic stuff. Uh, uh, well, forks and stuff. Yeah. And so they said, well, here you go. Whilst you're here, why don't you show us your powers? And Yuri Geller got really angry. Uh, of course he will. And he said, no, no, this is obviously, you know, I, I, I need to prepare. I can't just perform at will and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, they made many invitations to him. They said, look, we will provide the cutlery. You just bend it. You take all the time you need. And uh, But he always refused. And he did a similar thing with someone called um, Peter Popoff. Who Good on you, Popoff. Who was... Who was, who was self-proclaimed healer you know he had the power of god within him um and what he would god do tell you yeah he would go out into the masses and he would call on someone in the audience and say i know you russell you have this and i compel you to be healed and this that, and the other lovely and people would flock to this dear old pop off you know in the hopes that he would them in the thousands who had turned up to be cured and of and course randy thought well i've got to figure this one out and believe it or not it took him a while but he had uh surely uh, it was muse surely it was fake people in there what it was is that um he was his wife popoff's wife would uh, everyone turning up had to write down their name uh, and what it was that they were 
ailed by and whatever. So he knew. And so, but, you know, uh, and I don't know why people couldn't put this together, but surprisingly what had happened was is that his wife would then sit in the background and would radio to him. He had a secret transmitter in his ear uh, or receiver in his ear and she would say, can you see the lady on the fifth row? And you know, blah, blah, blah. her name is so-and-so. So-and-so and she's got so-and-so. so-and-so-ish. Um, she got so-and-so disease. Yeah. Yeah. And he would go, I'm feeling a pre-. And then, you know, he would make a real s- song and dance wow. and show of it all. But surely people know the wires. They weren't that, they weren't that, surely. I, I don't know whether he wore it. How would you do that? Big anyway. feathered turban hat type, who knows. Wow. Um, but somehow he, he managed Good to conceal. Good on him for uh, um, Sorry, not Carl. Uh, but um, Randy had a radio um, scanner and he picked up the transmissions. And so what they did was they filmed the show and then he broadcasted the show with the radio transmissions on top of it, showing everyone how the, the trick was done. Well, Randy, you yeah. busted a few myths and he busted did. a few so, pe- people's and, dreams. And sadly, there's a bit more, but I won't go into because we're running we out of time. We are running out of time. But for a long time, he had a million-dollar prize to anyone. Who could trick him. Could trick him. And to this day, the prize has never been claimed. But is he still alive? No, he died. Unfortunately. So how would he? How would he be tricked if the prize? Are, like, well, there there is a foundation. Okay, is um, Penn and Teller testing it? I think so, actually. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me. Don't ring Penn and Teller. Because, and tell b- them I because said they that. do fool me or fool us or whatever I it's do called. Like that yeah, show. I do like that show. It needs to come down to down under. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we are out of time, so we are going to wrap it up here. We've hoped you've enjoyed this Prophet and Sears episode part two. I've been Russell. And I'm still Peter. And, <laughs> and I'm you're gonna, still Russell. I'm going to foresee in the future another episode. Well, we have to. Yeah. <laughs> Who would give up show business? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back on uh, DRM1 United next week. But don't forget, you can jump on our podcast, listen to part one again if you missed it. Uh, we also talk about aliens. I, 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 I we talk about lots of stuff. We do, we do. I, I, I want to retouch about aliens. Well, you know, my friend Jeff, who I mentioned Last part, earlier, yep. earlier, uh, he wants us to do uh, aliens, I think, AI and um, AI Ooh, and robots. AI is an interesting and one. And we did AI. We, we did. did it, we did, but we got a bit sidetracked. But we, but yeah, because Russell's a techno. No, don't say that. I am a techno. Oh, you are? Yeah. Well, so I don't know what that means. It means that I like my tech a lot. Oh, well, there um, you I'm go. a very nerdy well, yeah, person. Well, you are. You are yeah. very tech- techno-savvy. Yeah. The aliens and, and AI will take over. We'll all be dead. So we're going to do that. We'll do that next week. We'll, well, I don't know. AI. <laughs> I, it takes a long time to research these things. AI and robots. You just have to look at Elon Musk. He's not. Well, Neuralink. Oh, yeah. See, see, there's too many. It, it well, fragments maybe we, out. Maybe we need to get your friend on the show. I think we should invite my friend yep. Jeff. So, Jeff, Jeff, if you're listening. Fact, uh, anyone who wants to come, really, we're not picky. <laughs> as long as you can talk. <laughs> well, you know, you can tolerate us too. Yeah. <laughs> you can do. You, 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 in fact, you'd show us up. Yeah, yeah. easy. Wouldn't right. be, it's, it's not a high bar. Yeah, just as long as it's factual. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that note, we're out of here. Bye-bye. Bye.